Welcome to the Daybreak Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Nizam, and together we'll tune into stories, lessons, and insights from everyday individuals on how they've navigated major crossroads in their lives. My goal is to inspire you with proof of what's possible and how to thrive when the tides of change come knocking, because they almost always do. Hi, everyone. We're back for another episode of the Daybreak Podcast. If I sound like I have a cold, I do. It's the season. Anyhow, today we have a remarkable guest joining us, Erica Parente. I stumbled upon Erica a few months ago while delving into the fascinating realm of vertical farming. In my quest to navigate the next chapter of both my professional and personal journeys, various interests have beckoned me. But it's the world of agriculture, farming, and the pursuit of enhanced food security that has captivated my attention. As I cast my net far and wide within this domain to connect with people, I encountered Erica. Her connection to agriculture extends beyond the professional sphere. It's ingrained in her lifestyle. Several years ago, facing a personal crossroads and crisis, Erica made a bold decision to leave the city behind. Driven by her yearning for a simpler life, immersed in nature, she embraced the practice of homesteading. I'll hand over the reins to Erica shortly to dive deeper into the essence of homesteading, giving us a glimpse into her life today and most importantly, unraveling the process of building the fulfilling life she envisioned. Erica's journey, like any meaningful odyssey, hasn't been a stroll through roses. It never is. In fact, it's an ongoing expedition, a work in progress. However, If you're contemplating a shift in lifestyle, perhaps yearning to dig your hands into the soil of nature, but unsure where to start, then stay tuned. I guarantee you, wherever your paths lead, Erica's story holds valuable insights and inspiration. Erica, welcome. Thank you so much. Super happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so excited to have you on the show. And Erica, I brought you on here to talk about your transition from being a city gal to life in the country homesteading. So before we get to you, can you tell me exactly what homesteading is? Yes, absolutely. Um, As more people have thought of this idea of self-sufficiency and sustainability, um, that's now where the idea of homesteading is rooted. It's more referred to as living self-sufficiently with the land. That can be through um, agricultural production of fruits and vegetables and livestock, uh, preservation of those materials. Um, it can also include using alternative energy sources like solar or wind um, to be more self-sufficient and sustainable in your attempts to live with the land um, rather than depend on society, not society as a, as a whole, but more of the system that we depend on for food security in particular. So I'd say that's probably the best way to describe it is living self-sufficiently with the land. So you are currently a homesteader. Before we get to exactly what your life looks like, maybe you can tell me what got you interested in this sort of lifestyle and were there any broad concerns driving this move? Yeah, it's a loaded question. I've always been connected to nature and to the outdoors and agriculture in particular. Food has been really near and dear to my heart. I always think of this story that my grandma tells. She's this hilarious woman who always tells this story that when I was a little girl, she lived up in the Kawarthas near Peterborough and I would go and visit her and I'd always be begging her, Grandma, can we go 
walk through the forest. And the last thing she wanted to do is take me through the forest. She's like, it's happy hour. We're not going in the forest right now. So she would tell me that I could catch birds in the forest if I threw silk on their banks. And believe me, that does not work. But for her, she just used to, that's the way she would get me out for hours. She would just leave me out there, salt in hand, and you'll go catch some birds. And I always came back every time. It didn't work. I couldn't catch any. So yeah, it really does start there in the fact that I had always been so interested and naturally curious about my surroundings and the outdoors. I think my happiest times are when I am outside walking in nature with my dogs, hiking or living by water or in the garden. Those are my happiest moments where I feel the most in tune with who I am as a person. And I think for a long time, I neglected as my real passion, my real calling. I think a lot of us probably do. We don't necessarily see agriculture or being outside as the most healing job when you're going through school and things like that, right? It's not really being a farmer. You don't go to school to become a farmer. You're told mathematics, English, political science, which is what ended up being my um, course of action. And so I kind of had pushed this idea of, of working in agriculture working outside to the side is that's just something I enjoy it makes me happy and I'll keep doing that but I pursued other things in life um, before really tapping into that so I think this journey of my homesteading path really was an evolution of my careers because I've worked in a lot of different fields and also meeting my current partner who also shared this passion to be a homesteader to, to live a life on the farm who wanted the same things that I wanted because I had never been with somebody who had the same mentality as me. So I think being on the same wavelength in that regard, I didn't realize how important that was for me to really get started because with the partnership, it's a lot to just go and become a homesteader on your own. And there's a lot that goes into it. So the accumulation of all of those things really is what led me to become a homesteader. And also my, my most recent job um, in the agriculture industry, working in vertical farming in particular was kind of this new introduction to different types of agriculture and how we can actually produce food indoors 365 days a year with less water, with less land. How incredible that we can create local communities who have more self-sufficiency and, and less reliance on supply chains and things like that that impact our food system. So being in that mentality for the past two years and really understanding that we have the power, if we want to, to, to find that self-sufficiency, to create a sense of community and foster those partnerships with different people in our community, whether they be farmers or local producers, to build that system where you can be independent. You don't have to be um, confined by what's available in the grocery store. Uh, so I think my career in particular and the evolution of that really exposed me to the possibility of being a homesteader and a far an eventual farmer. The end goal is to become um, more of a farmer <laughs> beyond just the homesteading and the self-sufficiency. We'd like to do some raise cattle or do some cash cropping potentially and things like that down the line. Um, okay, you're working at a startup. And startups are fast paced. It's always generally in the city. Your city life is very much going out with friends every night. It's either happy hour or, or dinner is going to shows. Just a very fast paced life. Was there something in your personal life, in your lifestyle that felt lacking or 
was missing? Oh, big time. Yeah, I kind of jumped over that whole piece there. And that's okay. <laughs> that's there. This whole piece of my life that me basically was like, okay, it's time to move on and do something different. So going back a couple of years, I had studied political science. After that, I worked for the municipal government. Then I went into non-for-profit. Finally landed my dream job working for the Ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry out in Peterborough, writing policy for enforcement branch, um, working specifically on Indigenous policy and hunting rights and things like that. Fascinating work. I was feeling so fulfilled, but one of the biggest hurdles for me was the fact that it was really slow moving. I was writing the same policy for a year. Government, things don't move very quickly. And honestly, that's what drove me out of government. I was like, I can't do this. I can only, I'm in my early 20s. I can't spend the rest of my life at this pace. I was very ambitious at this point in my life and had the need to move really fast. So I decided to move from Peterborough into the city of Toronto, where fast pace is the name of the game. Most of my friends were living there. My boyfriend at the time was living there. And I just fell into this life. Now I'm working for an IT company in internal operation. And I realized I'm really, really good at this operation stuff. I thought this, this is so fun. I'm starting to climb the ladder, having so much fun with my friends. We're going out to dinner after work, living this very busy lifestyle. And I'm working 70 plus hours, not making the greatest money. You're just kind of in it. And, and then I started to feel overwhelmed. I started to feel this unhappiness creeping in. And the depression really hit me after about a year and a half living in the city. It's an amalgamation of all of these things, working in a job that was really strenuous in something in a topic that I wasn't super passionate about, like operation is applicable across the field. You can do it kind of in any industry, but the IT side of things wasn't really getting me out of bed in the morning. And I was also in a really unhappy relationship. So all of these things were just creeping up on me. And slowly I fell into a really strong depression and I realized that I was really feeling unfulfilled with what I was doing. And at the time, I thought, I need to do all of these things. I need to have these experiences so that I can become the CEO of a company, to become a CEO of a company one day. That was my ideas. And I think that I had fallen into this expectation for myself based on the expectations others had for me. Others were always like, oh, you're so smart. You're so charismatic, yada, yada, yada. You're going to be so successful. And I truly felt like I was on my way there. I've been executive at a company. I can climb the ladder and I'm a great manager. I love listening to people, all of these things. But I just didn't feel good. I felt really unhappy and I couldn't really understand what was going on. So I started to get the itch and I get the itch about two year mark usually. In marriages, yeah. it's a seven year itch, but I guess these days in, in careers, it's a two year itch. Well, we haven't gotten to the seven year mark yet. So hopefully we can get through that. But yeah, the two years comes and I plateau and I'm starting to lose a little bit of interest and I need to be more challenged. For me, it's all about keeping things interesting and really seeing the momentum that I can still continue to make a difference. And I was losing that feeling where I was, my role of working in IT. So I started looking at different industries and I just happened to come across this company called Infarm. They're a company that originated in Germany and they actually grow fresh produce and herbs in the grocery aisles. So they have these vertical farm units that are set up in the grocery system. They also have warehouses outside of the urban centers as well. And they bring in produce, but they're all done in vertical farms. 
And I thought, wow, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. It's amazing. I worked on organic farms in Italy a few years earlier, just feeding that natural curiosity for agriculture. But up until this point, I had only thought of traditional ag. I had never thought about indoor agriculture. I need to learn everything I can about this industry. And so I went down this rabbit hole and I was researching everything, attending seminars about hydroponics and leafy greens and strawberry production, greenhouses. And I just continued to fall more and more in love with the industry. And then the pandemic and I was already feeling unhappy and depressed. And luckily I had this new thing that kind of kept me motivated throughout it all. And I had made a decision in my head a little bit before the pandemic happened that this is where I want to go in my professional career. The pandemic hit. I'm still feeling quite depressed in this moment. I ended up breaking up with my boyfriend at the time and I moved home with my mom in Hamilton, who basically nurtured me back to health. Thank goodness for mothers, truly. And through that time, I was still learning about indoor agriculture. And about eight months later, after I had initially discovered the industry, I just quit my job, cold turkey. I'm just, I can't do this anymore. It's, it's not what I want anymore. And I'm having a really hard time staying motivated in this job that is just not bringing me the fulfillment I need. It's time for me to seek a profession that matches my personal values and indoor agriculture matched so well with that. I still had the technology component, which I love. It was addressing food security. It's implementing agriculture, food, great ingredients, freshness, reduces pesticides, all of these things, right? This is not an infomercial for <laughs> I'm still in love with the industry. I was like, this is time for me to, to stop what I, I don't want to be doing anymore and to really find something that I care about. I'm and just that gonna interrupt, I'm going to interrupt because you are a yeah. little bit younger than me and the average audience. But do you believe that you should work for something that gives you purpose and inspiration? Or do you believe that a job is one that pays the bills and keeps everything going and gives you the ability to explore and do all these other things? Because the generation prior to us would say, you know what, I, I work through this because that's what helped me live my life. And then I found other ways, whereas um, other ways to find my purpose and inspiration, whereas the, the, the most recent generation is more our jobs have to give us purpose. And so I'm just a little bit curious because you quit cold turkey and that's a bit of a tough thing. And I had the same struggles as you did, but I dragged it out until I had solution after solution or a decision was made for me. Yeah, that decision to quit cold turkey was the first time I've ever done that. And it was a really hard decision. And I'm really fortunate that I had the opportunity to do that without worrying about financial stresses. But addressing your question, do I think it should be purpose-driven or can it just be a life and you find purpose outside of that? It's a tough one because for me personally, I need the purpose in my entire career to this point has been trying to find the purpose that's rooted in something that I'm passionate about, something that matters a lot to me. And I think that comes from the work culture that we have now where you work a lot. You're expected to work a lot, especially in the startup industry. You're always on. There's never a time where you're not on your Slack and you don't have your email accessible by your phone. So I think because it's so hard now to set a boundary of your work. I'm only working nine to five. Now I work seven till 10. So because work takes up so much of your life, it's really hard to set that boundary for you to seek that 
passion and enjoyment elsewhere. And for some people, that might be totally achievable to set those boundaries. And they're just way better at making boundaries than I am. But for me, I really, when I'm in something work-wise, it fully consumes me. And that's my main priority. That's just kind of how I'm built. And so for me, it's knowing that about myself, finding a professional career that's really rooted in my passions and my values has always been really, really, really key and important for me. Okay, no, thank you for that. Well, let's get down to the biggest piece of it. Tell me about your life currently and how you went about getting to this place of homesteading. So when I first met my partner, that was kind of back when I first started um, working for the vertical farming startup, we realized we were living in kind of an outside in the GTA in Grimsby, still in the city. And we had a nice little property, but how nice would it be if we could have chickens here? If we could just have a bigger garden because I had never had a massive garden. I always had potted plants and would grow a couple of tomatoes and some lettuce and always loved having a little bit of that in the summer. But I just started talking to my partner who grew up on a farm. He loves agriculture. He's a diesel engine mechanic by trade, incredibly handy. And he kind of also shared this love for animals and he just wanted a little bit more property. So we made the decision. We're going to put his house up for sale and we're going to buy a farm. And we're like, okay, we're going to, we want something that's a hundred acres. Let's just buy a hundred acres and we're just going to start barking. Go big or go home was your mantra, clearly. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're going to do. And thank goodness that he is somebody who's just, yeah, let's do it on board. I'm definitely the one who's more, okay, let's think about this rational plan first. We started, of course, what's around here in the GTA region. We were incredibly priced out of what we could afford in farmland. That led us to make a decision. Okay, well, we're either going to have to get way less land or we need to move. We need to move whether that's northern Ontario or another province. Um, so we actually drove out to New Brunswick, Nova Scotia for three weeks. To drive, it took us, I see, 26 hours. Okay, that's a long like time, that. basically. And it was a bit eye-opening in the fact that, like, the towns in Ontario that seem rural are still quite close and quite populated. Out there, you're looking at a thousand people in a town, which is really small. <laughs> so we're like, okay, are we ready for this? This is a huge move. We know nobody out here. It's incredibly rural. And we don't have a neighbor necessarily to ask for help. And when you're going to buy 100 acres, you're going to need some help. So we started to get a little nervous about the idea of buying that much acreage. But didn't really deter us. We actually put a few offers in on homes and we got outbid, unfortunately. And we were comfortable with being 30 minutes from the major city because me being from the city, I still love to go for coffee once in a while. I still love going out for dinner, having access to those things because as much as they don't bring me as much fulfillment as living in, in a rural area and being able to grow my garden, I still like doing those things and I still want to have that accessibility to that. So we set a parameter for New Brunswick and Northern Ontario as kind of our guidelines. Uh, but we still hadn't found a property and we sold our house. So now we were like, okay, where do we live? And we ended up finding just a, a three-acre property with a farmhouse just outside of Hamilton, where we currently are located. And we've been here for about a year now. Um, we're still looking for our dream property. But in the meantime... Thank goodness we started with three acres and not a hundred because we have learned so, so much. And now in retrospect, I have so many more things to consider 
when buying a property than I would have a year ago looking at farms. Propane versus wood heating, for instance, the cost comparison of those things and which position your property is facing. Is it southeast? Do you have enough sun on the property? Is there enough space um, to have animals to fence in an area? Do you have a pond so you can have ducks? All of these things that I would have never really thought about before starting this homestead are now like, okay, these are my requirements for a new property. And when we actually find that dream farm of ours um, that we're going to need to make sure we have so that we can start off on the right foot um, with, with what we want to do. So the small three acres now, you can still do a lot with it. We have a massive garden. I'm going from like a few potted plants to this massive garden. It's probably could be a full-time job. It was in there mostly two hours before I started my work day every morning in the summer um, just to keep up with it all. But that was so much fun. And we have 11 chickens, all different breeds. So we've got beautiful multicolored eggs that we sell to friends and family. We mostly give them away to be honest. I have a, such a hard time charging people for anything. It's like, even my oh, you got to change that mindset if you're going to become a I farmer. Know. I know it's so hard. I'm just like, come on over here, have some eggs, have some zucchini, have everything. It's just, it's part of that mindset of just the community aspect of homesteading. It's like sharing and wanting to encourage people to understand about food and where it comes from and to share in that. There's just, it's so enriching to me. Keeping chickens has been so much fun. My partner, I will say, is much more in love with them than I am. Like he goes out there like girls and they all come running <laughs> and they're so cute. They just like waddle on over. We renovated the existing structure that was on the farm and make sure that it's ready for winter right now. So we're just a small homestead right now. But I'd say the other side of it has been preserving and learning how to jarge and can all of our products that we weren't able to consume in the summertime. So fun um, learning that. I, funny enough, met this woman in my pottery class who lived in the area. We were talking about jarring. I'm like, oh, I really would love to find somebody who can teach me how to jar because you, know, you have to be really careful when it comes to jarring to make sure that it's you know, safe to keep on the counter. And she's like, I love jarring. I'll be happy to teach you. So it's been a great uh, person to meet. And she, she's been so wonderful um, in helping me kind of solidify some of those skills that are needed on the homestead. If, if, I, I, could, if I remember correctly, you said this year you didn't spend any money on groceries in terms of produce and eggs and maybe milk. Correct. I don't know if you have cows on the on the farm. We don't have cows yet. Unfortunately, that's the next venture as well as goats. We'd love to do because I eat a lot of cheese and making homemade goats cheese is my, it's my next venture. But that's right. I start all of my seeds indoors under LED lighting in racking system in one of our rooms and then move them out in the summertime when it's ready after the first frost. I want to say from May until middle of October, we didn't buy any produce at all. Zero. Did everything, did everything taste about. better coming out of your garden versus a grocery? That's like oh, a, what I hear from people. Oh, absolutely. It's so delicious, so fresh. I mean, some things taste different because you're not used to them being garden fresh. Some things you're like, oh, wow, that's very minerally and it's different than it's, it could just be a different cultivar than what the grocery store is selling. But it's so fresh. Like my tomatoes, oh my gosh, they're so incredible. And we made so much of our own homemade sauce. 
and I was making jalapeno poppers because I had a surplus of jalapenos. It was awesome. I will say my cauliflower was a huge failure. I didn't realize you have to tie the leaves up around the cauliflower head. And so all of my cauliflower got sunburned and was not edible, which is sad. But you live and you learn. And honestly, part of gardening is experimental and failure and learning. The things I'm taking away from our conversation is you decide to make this transition. This transition is not like, oh, you make a decision and all of a sudden you achieve your end goal. But when things happen, it's like things happen for a reason. You didn't get to buy a piece of property, but then you take that alternative of renting. You started to learn things that were really beneficial to you. Because for us, when things don't go right, especially when you're in a transition, it feels so demotivating and like this major setback and you start to question yourself. But you kind of need to power through those moments is how I feel. And I think when you're running your farm, you kind of have to just roll with the punches too, right? There's mother nature. There's a thousand things that are outside of your control. And so maybe you learn how to find peace in everything not going your way. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. My mom always says everything will work out. And honestly, it's one of the truest things I've ever come to really embrace that is everything works out. And they might not work out the way you had planned or envisioned, but they work out. And I, I really try and live by that mantra now. I already think I talked to you a little bit about the shift in mindset, but what are some quick rude awakenings that you've had? Yeah, it's not easy. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of planning, like strategic planning, a lot of research, um, a lot of time in the early spring, late winter time, really figuring out how to structure your garden. For instance, what should you co-plant beside tomatoes to increase their flavor or the things like that. And I think it's just really realizing that you don't need to have everything ready and everything perfect all of the time. I had this envision for myself. I'm going to be this, this cute girl walking out, eating my chickens in my overalls. And the reality is I'm in my robe, in my pajamas, in my rubber boots, walking out there, struggling to bring their water into my chicken coops. And then I'm running over to my garden and watering my garden. And it's like overwhelming the amount of upkeep in just three acres. So it's really set this rude awakening that, okay, efficiency and time prioritization of how I'm going to do things is really, really key. And it's not going to be as easy as I thought it was going to be. It's not going to be as cute as I thought it was trying to be. <laughs> Those types of things were a little bit shocking for me to first realize going into it. But I think the fact that I'm a huge perfectionist and not being able to be perfect in this aspect is quite humbling. And it has really shown me that it's okay for the garden to have tons of weeds because it's not humanly possible for me to work a full-time job and have a perfect garden and also have a social life and a partner and dogs and all of these other things that we have going on. So not being a perfectionist on the homestead and also embracing how chaotic things can be when you've got a lot going on. I want to get to what you do for a living now because you said you had a full-time job, but I also want to tie this into something else that you said earlier that when you were working in government, you felt like you were very ambitious, but you still felt this need for something else or something was missing in your life. Would you say you're less ambitious now? No, I know. And I thought that I'm like, okay, I'm still ambitious, but I'm ambitious in a different way. Now, I think I'm more ambitious for life and not my work life. So I went, I recently, I did it again. I left my job after two years, again, two year itch. It's real for me. And I was the VP of operations of the startup company. Loved it. Was doing great. They were like, we're going to, we want to make you CLO in the next eight months. I'm like, shit. 
it's real. This is happening. Like everything I've worked for is actually coming to a head. Like this is what I wanted, thought I wanted, but it wasn't. It's not what I thought I wanted. And it came to the realization that that's going to require more of me, more of my time. And I want to focus my time on other things that bring me happiness and fulfillment. And that's the homestead. That's exploring my dream of having a farm and and figuring out how to make that economically and financially feasible in the long run. So for me, it was leaving that again without something fully secured <laughs> and looking into myself to see, okay, what are my what are my skills that I can make money from? What is my purpose in life? How do I connect back with my values? All of these things to really figure out what was next for me in a way that I could structure my life so that I can focus more on the way I want to live. So now I've actually moved into independent consulting. I'm a freelance consultant still in the indoor agriculture space and vertical farming and greenhouses uh, because I still am truly in love with that industry, as I mentioned. And it's, I think they're just the whole industry is really pushing towards something that's so, so valuable and important for an entire world. And so I still feel like driven to support companies coming into that space or governments looking to adopt vertical or, or indoor farming in an urban setting. So it's been kind of that opportunity for me to pick and choose who I want to work for, who I want to work with, in which capacity, and take on as much or as little as I really need to at that point in time to support the lifestyle that I want to have. My plan for the future is to work a lot in the winter so I can drink a little bit more of a breather in the summer when it's really key planting time and, and really busy in the garden and the homestead. So the eventual plan is to be able to have that freedom to do both, which a regular job doesn't really give you that opportunity most of the time. But for me, it's just really that balance of, of focusing on living now rather than just working. But how has this impacted your social life? I definitely leave the house a lot less. I'll tell you that. I think it's more now my partner, I have to make a very conscious effort to go and see our friends. And we make more of an effort to, to hang out with people while we really want that social connection. And we've also built more of that community around here. You were asking about dairy. We don't have our own cattle, but we actually go to a cattle, a dairy farm just down the road and we get fresh milk from them every week. So building those relationships in our own community, and there's another farm store I go to for whatever we can't access on our property. So building that is still really nice to have. Uh, when we eventually find our, our forever farm, I'm really excited to build more roots and more of that local community aspect. Um, but it's hard when you feel in this place of impermanent to really see those roots. But with that being said, we just make more of that conscious effort to get out there and see everybody. We also love having people here on the property and, and sharing in this beautiful piece, piece. I'm sure we've hit on this at different points in time, but you left the city because something was missing. Tell me about how you feel today. Yeah, most days I feel I feel really good. There's still lots of days where you're like, oh, what am I doing? I feel lost. Am I on the right path? I think it's more the long term. What can I do to make this economically feasible? But sometimes it's a struggle, like homesteading isn't profitable. <laughs> we save a lot of money. Not having to buy grocery uh, produce all summer saves a lot of money. Pre preserving saves a lot of money. But I think for me, it's knowing that this is a lifestyle I want and just figuring out 
the other piece. I think I've got it kind of figured out now with the consulting side of things, how to support myself to enjoy that lifestyle. Overall, I'm feeling so much happier and at peace with myself. This is who I am and I'm living it and I'm finally doing it. I think for so long, I felt like stuck, like I was almost lying to myself about where I was, what I wanted to be doing. And now I finally feel super liberated to be who I am. And it's not always, it's not always happy feelings. Sometimes it, I still feel like, okay, I haven't figured it all out because I haven't. But I think this sense of peace and hopefulness that I share with my partner and not being alone in doing this is a huge aspect for me. So overall, I'm feeling super confident that this is the path for me. And it's going to evolve. And it's going to change. And I know that it's not going to be exactly how I envision it. We may not end up with a hundred acre farm, um, but we might end up with a small market garden and be consulting, or maybe we're going to invest in a different agricultural business or a nursery or something that will eventually hit most of those boxes. So I don't know exactly where we're going or how it's going to end up, but I feel super comfortable in who I am right now. And that's really reassuring. I love that you are talking about the good and the potential bad and the still questioning if you are on the right path, because I think we all think that once we've figured out at least what we want, we think that'll give us fulfillment. But actually, life is never like that. It just you have these really like bang in the face moments to help you reset. But your life is not without struggle. It is never with perfection. And you have to find a level of comfort in that. I think it takes experience and it takes hitting a number of different obstacles and challenges to then come to realize it's okay to be in flux sometimes. As long as you are giving it thought consciously and working towards something and accepting that it'll evolve. And I love that you say the word confident versus happiness because there is no eternal happiness. There's simply a confidence that you can manage through and that when you have hard times, that there will be people around you. And so the other big thing that, you know, this podcast and the people I've talked about is they all talk about connection and community. And we tend to get so caught up in this life of independence. And this is what I want. And this is what I want to do. But actually, your journey is very much a united journey. It's a collaborative journey. Yeah, absolutely. I do think that confidence is more of the key word. I've, I struggled with depression and in different points of my life. And so for me, happiness is something that I'm like, I can't even imagine that as a full form. Like there's happy moments. Like happiness is, is something that I think is so romanticized as a feeling when we just have to think contentness and feeling confident and comfortable with where you're at. To me, that's what happiness is. Okay, I'm going to uh, wrap this up quickly, but I got two questions for you. Why'd you decide to okay. come on the show? Well, you know what? I'm just so happy that I had an opportunity to talk a little bit about homesteading and that lifestyle. And Miriam, if it helps anybody who's thinking about making that transition or needs to think a little bit more deeply about where they are in life and how to kind of move into a direction that really fulfills their soul more than they they maybe think on it a little bit less than they should. So if it moves in that anybody in that direction towards where they want to be and gives them that little push, then I'm grateful for that opportunity. And 
it's it's so nice what you are doing. I think hearing everyday people's stories. I've taken away something from every single person that you've had on the show. So I just think we don't always have to surround ourselves with stories of CEOs and all of these super successful people who who sometimes make it sound like it's so easy when it's really not. I'd love to hear more about everyday people and, and the actual struggles of life that they're going through and the authenticity that comes with that, that we all really are looking for in life. So really the pleasure is all mine. I I'm, I appreciate you coming on and opening me up to a different world. And one of the things I'm going to ask you is to invite me to your farm in the summer, not the winter, but in the summer so I can come and experience this because I too have a craving for a more simpler life. Okay, last one to end this off. What advice do you have for people feeling out of alignment with their lives? I think the biggest thing that really helped me make the move from Toronto and just really move from a career that I was unhappy with to one that was more fulfilling was thinking about where I was physically, like my actual body being in the city and how that was making my hobby inaccessible. So I had this moment in time where I was like, okay, I actually have a lot of hobbies, but I'm not doing any of them because they didn't feel accessible to me in the city. I do pottery, I garden, I hike every single day with my dogs. Those are my hobbies. And I wasn't able to really do any of them in the city. And that was really because of my physical location, where my body was physically in that point in time wasn't right for me. And I don't think that that's something people often think about is where they really are. You might be there for work or you might be there um, because a person is there that you that you've moved there for work. But I think reflecting on the actual location where we are at a place in time is super important to understanding more about yourself. Is that place giving you what you really need? I love going out for coffee. I love working from a cafe. Those were great advantages of living downtown Toronto. But those things weren't bringing the fulfillment that I truly needed in my life. And the person I was dating at the time once said to me, you don't really have any hobbies. And I was so hurt by them because I was thought I had so many hobbies. But he was 100% right in that time. I didn't have any hobbies in the city, Uh, but not because I didn't have hobbies. It was just I didn't have access or the feasibility of those hobbies uh, wasn't really uh, available to me in where I was living. So I think. My advice to somebody who feels stuck is to reflect on their physical location and and think about where you are in this point in time. It doesn't necessarily have to change the answer. Maybe, yeah, I love where I am at and I love going for coffee and that brings me so much fulfillment. Um, And that's wonderful. Then maybe move on to something else. (laughs) Let's think about something else. But I think reflecting on where you are physically is really important and not something we often do. That resonates with me so much uh, because I have struggled with my life in Toronto now versus about five years ago, and I'm still trying to find my place. And I'm sure I'm going to talk about that at some other point in time uh, on another episode. But Erica, thank you for coming on. I really enjoyed chatting with you and I'm sure our listeners will as well, just to hear a different perspective of how somebody lives their life and how somebody's found comfort, contentment confidence to move forward with their lives once they've hit a moment of misalignment. Thanks so much, Miriam. It's been an absolute pleasure. Wow. I'm in awe of Erica. She's taking the bull by the horns to create the life she wants. Erica, a young woman who hasn't yet reached her mid-30s, 
has embarked on a journey far from the conventional, far from the easy. Her bold decisions are driven by a profound self-awareness, a deep understanding of her values, and a pursuit of contentment, purpose, and peace. Reflecting on Erica's story, I can't help but acknowledge the stark contrast between her fearless approach and the uncertainties I faced at that age. The idea of quitting jobs abruptly or venturing into rural landscapes to cultivate vegetables and raise chickens seemed beyond my comfort zone. Having always identified as a city girl, the notion that a big box grocery store must be within walking distance was a steadfast belief. Until recently, that is. Like many of us, I thought I had found my place, in my case, Toronto. However, as the city ceased to fulfill my desires for experiences, values, and community, I began to explore alternative destinations. From Texas to Portugal, Dubai to Argentina, and the European mountains, the quest for the perfect place became my personal mission. While I haven't discovered my haven yet, I recognize that much like Erica, I'm on a continuous journey, a work in progress. Erica's stories serve as a reminder that the path to our destination once identified is neither straight nor easy. It's a journey filled with experimentation, discomfort, and hardship. Happiness, as Erica demonstrates, is not the ultimate goal. Rather, it is about embracing contentment, learning, and discovery. So if you've been yearning for a change in location, relationships, or career, I hope Erica's journey, along with our conversation, has ignited a spark within you to initiate change. If a farm and a few chickens align with your dreams, consider this episode of the Daybreak Podcast a starting point for your own exploration. I trust you've enjoyed this episode. If there are any specific lifestyles or perspectives you'd like us to delve into, please reach out on Instagram at the next phase of you or email us at info at the next phase.ca. And now that you've taken a break, let's go explore. Until next time, live strong and embrace the daybreak. <laughs>